And the Bible says this in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 6, beginning in verse number 19. And it says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures, everybody say treasures, on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures, everybody say treasures, in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy nor thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure, everybody say treasure is there your heart will be also can i ask a question what is the common denominator in those three verses treasure it's the word treasure it's mentioned in all three verses now jump over in your bible to luke chapter number 12 verses 32 through 34 and i love this passage of scripture because this is what God wants you to know as you begin to embark on the principle of tithing and the opportunity of tithing in your life and it's starting in verse number 32 of Luke chapter number 12 and the Bible says this fear not <laughs> amen because when we start talking about this topic everybody's like ah! no God says fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give everybody say give. give to give you the kingdom of heaven sell your possessions give to the needy provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with treasure in heaven that does not fail where no thief approaches nor moth destroys for where your treasure is there your heart will be also and so now as we've accomplished those two verses our theme verses of scripture in this nuts and bolts series turn in your bible to malachi chapter three and some of you are going to say all right well i knew it i knew that's where he was going well, listen, I want to talk to you before you um, prejudge the message, amen, <laughs> that God is a God of yesterday, today, and forevermore. And I want to tell you that he's given us a prescription to fix a broken lifestyle, not a broken pocketbook. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Some of y'all just want to fix a broken pocketbook. God wants to fix a broken heart. That's why last week it's called Shop Through the Heart. <laughs> Some of y'all want to fix a broken electric bill. The electric bill is too much. Oh, God, I'm going to give you a token this morning, believing for a triumph tomorrow. Right? That's good. God wants to fix more than a broken electric bill. God is a God who wants to fix your life, not just your pocketbook. Yeah. And he says, I'll start it if you'll give me the most superficial thing in all of the kingdom of God, which is money. If you'll start with the most superficial thing, I'll do the most supernatural thing. Yeah. Come on, that's good. But we don't want to give God a superficial thing, much less a serious thing in our heart. So as we begin this morning's message, I want to touch on a few foundational issues that we're talking about. What does nuts and bolts mean as we're in the series? If we say it's the nuts and bolts of something, it means it's the most basic, fundamental, or essential aspects of something. So in this series, we're going to explore tithes, offerings, and blessed generosity. And now listen, I mentioned this last week, so, but I really didn't talk about tithes and offerings last week so i can say i haven't preached on this in about three years unless you consider last week okay i haven't done a series on this in about five years so if the last time you heard me preach a message was on tithes and offerings welcome back because you haven't been here in about three years and i'm grateful you're in the house of god this morning and so as we're jumping into this we're going to take a step of, a, of faith as a church 
And instead of putting up, uh, bringing buckets down at the end and passing the buckets like we always do, and so you don't feel like this is a manipulation process that, oh, the church needs money, we simply got boxes with the TWBC logo on the back of every wall and up in the balcony um, for you to place your tithes and offerings in before you leave. Or you can give on the app, or you can give on the website, or you can give in any other way you want to, but we're not passing buckets at the end for you to feel manipulated, obligated, or pressured into giving to TWBC because God is blessing TWBC spiritually, financially, physically, and in every way, shape, and form. And so it's fun to preach these messages because there is no, oh my God, if you don't pay the electric bill here, <laughs> type mentality with the message. It's an empowering message an equipping message, an opportunity message, a message for you to jump in on what God can do in your life because he wants to transform your life, not just your pocketbook. He wants to transform your life in every way. And so the Bible says this in Malachi chapter number three, verse number six, for I, the Lord, do not change. Enough said. He doesn't change. I'm so grateful that God is consistent when Joel is not. Sometimes I wish God would be inconsistent because Joel is inconsistent and give me my way. But he said, I, the Lord, I don't change. So, Joel, if anybody's going to do the changing, it's going to have to be you because he's perfect and Joel is not. Amen. You can give me an amen on that. I know. I proved it last week with all my blunders, right? And so with that, I, the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob. Now, now, now remember that term, O children of Jacob, okay? Are not consumed. So I want to I do something with the scripture this morning, okay? Don't, don't shoot me till the message is over, okay? Because I'm not, I'm not taking out scripture. I'm not adding in scripture. I want to do something with you to prove a point. For it says, for I, the Lord, I do not change. Therefore... You are not consumed. Then put at the end of it, O children of Jacob, from the days of your fathers, why did I do that? Because I'm proving a point. That I, the Lord, do not change, and therefore you should have died by now, but because I'm gracious and loving and slow to anger, and I abound in love, and my mercy endures from generation to generation to generation to generation, I haven't consumed you yet. <laughs> I'm excited about that. I love reading that verse, but then it goes on to say, O children of Jacob, from the days of your fathers. So when he's addressing this, from the days of your fathers, he's talking about their fathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not the fathers who founded the law in Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Moses, and all that time. He is saying, from the time of your fathers, your father of faith, Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob. Listen to what he's saying. From those times, you have turned aside from my statutes. Now, everybody, everybody remember the word statutes. And have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, the people, how shall we return? So we're asking the question, oh, God, come. And God says, I want to come. And he says, this is how you come because you ask, how can I come? Right? See, when we ask God to come into our life, he may give us a step to do. You can't kick the step to the curb and say, I just don't like that step. God, give me a different one. 
If we ask him a question and he gives us an answer, he's giving us a prescription, an opportunity, a prescriptive way of activation to step back into his presence. And so he's saying this right here. From uh, from the days of your father, you have turned aside from my statutes, have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? God goes in. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Amen. I love the way the NIV says it. I'll throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that you cannot contain it. Now, here's the problem. We always get wrapped up in how much blessing we're going to get rather than turning our hearts back to the Father. This whole message is not about getting a lot of money to you. It's about turning your heart to the Father so he can trust you with all of the kingdom of heaven. Because that's what we read in the Luke, Luke chapter 12 gospel. Fear not, little flock, for it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But he can't give you the kingdom if our hearts are still turned just towards money. And so we got to get past that tithing is a legalistic money thing. There is something I love to call in the New Testament the, uh, the principle of the tithe that started way back before the law and the opportunity of the tithe that we can step into today in the, in the New Covenant. And so um, the term prescriptions means uh, prescription, a recommendation that is authoritatively put forward. So God says, I'm giving you a statute, and this is where I get the title of this morning's message, statute defined from Strong's Concordant, statute, ordinance, limit, something prescribed, a prescribed task, a prescribed portion, a prescribed action, a prescribed due, a prescribed limit, a prescribed boundary. So God is giving a prescription when he puts out a statute. Now listen to what the definition of a prescription is. A recommendation that is authoritatively put forward. This is why this is not a salvation issue. It's a recommendation that God authoritatively puts forward that says, I'm God, I am the Lord, I do not change. And so from Cain and Abel, when Abel brought the first fruits of his, of his, of his offering, of, of his raising of what he did, and then Abraham and Melchizedek brought the first fruit of the spoils of war, but then you have Jacob, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself, You have Jacob, and I'll touch back on this in a little bit, that says, And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, shall be God's house. Everybody say, God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a full tenth. That's 400 years before the law was ever written. So it is a prescriptive uh, prescription put forth authoritatively that when you jump in and begin to do things God ways with the principle and the opportunity of it, his authoritativeness over all of creation begins to work for you. Yeah. And this isn't just a money thing. Yeah. It's a lifestyle thing because remember, it's shot through the heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And as you, this is a, a, a statute is this. The term statute or ordinance means principles of ordinary behavior a lot of times when we read the old testament we say well god put a statute he put the law in place that's not what it said 
A statute or an ordinance is a principle of ordinary behavior. This is why God said when he created the law, thou shalt not murder, because not murdering was a principle of ordinary behavior. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're good. Thou shalt not commit adultery is a principle of ordinary behavior. Amen. It should be a principle. I'm going to correct that. It should be a principle of ordinary behavior. Don't commit adultery. Why? Because there are issues that happen when you do. And it says, he proves this principle when he says, from the days of your fathers, referring to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 400 years before the law is written. That's why this is a heart motive. And in the definition, the word prescribed is used saying, this is what is best for your life. Okay? You don't have to do what's best for your life. I'm not control if you do what is best for your life or not. And here's how I'll prove it. Many of you today can go out of here today and do what is best for your life and go eat a healthy salad with grilled chicken on it and balsamic vinaigrette dressing with low calories, low cholesterol, no fat, and that is what is best for your life. (laughs) And everybody's thinking, that is not the chicken and dumplings that I had. That ain't that Hopkins County stew that I had cooking in the pot. Joel, the chili that I got going on this cold day, it's anything but healthy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So this is what is best for your life. If you do it, you're going to experience the best of the kingdom of God for your life. If you don't, well, then you're going to find yourself in the place where many people continually find themselves. Even what Miss Beth said on the video, I couldn't afford to tithe until I started tithing. I couldn't afford to do it until I started doing it. But then when I started doing it, I could afford to do it. Because it it is what was best for her life. So, where does it go to in Malachi when it talks about will a man rob God? Well, because it is principles of ordinary lifestyle living, and it started really with Cain and Abel, happened with Abraham. Jacob put it in full effect when he said, I'll give you a full tenth of everything at the house of God where he built the pillar when he saw the house of God. That should tell you where to give your tithe to the house of God that is truly a storehouse where the presence of God is. Since it was a principle of ordinary living, God then said when he wrote the law, make this a part of the law because it's a principle of ordinary living. Just like don't murder, don't kill, don't have another God before me. And the funny thing I find is, Anybody in the New Testament today will argue against, no, we shouldn't, or will argue, will not argue saying, of course, pastor, we shouldn't murder. Of course, pastor, we shouldn't have adultery. Of course, there should be nothing before God. Of course, no, we're not going there with tithing, though. But if he's the Lord and he doesn't change, and all these are principles of ordinary living, what changed? It wasn't the Lord who changed. It was us. So listen. Let's clarify what, who's saying what. It says, for I, the Lord, I do not change. God is talking. And so again, tithing is not a salvation issue. And tithing is mentioned, as I mentioned, with Abraham and Melchizedek in Genesis 14, verse 18 through 20. It's mentioned with Jacob and God's house in Genesis 28, 22. It is mentioned in the law. Leviticus 27 and 30. Deuteronomy 26, 1 and 2, and 13 and 14. But also, we got to realize it was mentioned before the law, in the law, in the Gospels, and after the Gospels. 
When you go to seminary, they teach you something called a, a, a theological foundation. And it must be mentioned in at least, uh, at least four things. Uh, excuse me, three things. Four things make it very theologically sound. That's why anything you found written in all four of the Gospels, you can develop theology out of it. Anything you find that is pre-law, in the law, in the Gospels, and post-resurrection, you can build theology out of it. Just make sure it's right theology. It's got to be in the heart, heart motives of, of what you're talking about. So then, Jesus in the Gospels in Matthew 23, 23. It says, you ought to continue to tithe without neglecting justice, mercy, and everything else. So he didn't say do away with the one to do the other. He said, you got to do both. <laughs> Listen, and I say that for a reason, because a lot of people think they can give a lot of money to a church or organization and act like an idiot. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on now. If I just give so much to the church, then I can act however I want in the church. No, you can't. Because the church isn't dependent on your finances. The church is dependent on the kingdom of God and what God is doing. And so therefore, the church cannot be bought and manipulated and, and all this other stuff. So no, you cannot give a bunch of money to TWBC and think you can act like an idiot. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because some of y'all who can't give a bunch of money don't want people who can acting like a bunch of idiots. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We serve a good God. This is supposed to be joyful and fun. Y'all aren't looking like it's too joyful and fun in the moment. Some of y'all are thinking, am I the idiot? Right? No, you're not. You're here this morning. You're loving God. You're passionately pursuing him. Then after the resurrection in Hebrews 7, 1 through 10, and I'll address that towards the end of the message. And so the term rob, the reason God can say it is because it was in the law. Now let's talk about the term cursed. A lot of people, when they read the term cursed, or, or you are under a curse, they automatically go to this curse of the law. That's not always true. It is sometimes, but it's not always true throughout the scriptures. Because there are things, curse many times means consequence of, where curse of the law means Jesus had to pay the price, and then it does become a salvation issue. And I just said tithing is not a salvation issue. It's an opportunity for the best practices in your life. And so with that, when it says you are under a curse, here it is not saying it is curse of the law. It is you're under a consequence because you haven't, you're not getting. You're not avail uh, available to give like you need to because you're under the consequence of what you've done. And so when we're talking about curse here, people say Christians can't be under a curse because Christ bore the curse of the law. Yes, Jesus did take the curse of the law. That is why it is not a salvation issue. This being a principle before the law was created does mean, though, that there are consequences and we can't just live however we want to with no repercussions. I'm telling you, do not murder was before the law. It is also in the law, but Jesus bore the curse of the law, so the curse of the part of murder was lifted. But I'm telling you today, if you go and murder somebody, his grace is great enough to forgive you of it all, but there's still a consequence to your actions here. Yeah, right, right. Am I correct in this? If I'm not, go try, don't, don't go try and kill somebody. <laughs> Too close to the holidays. <laughs> Come on now. With that, I, I, you, you just got to know that in this life today, yes, we are completely 100% under grace. Hallelujah. That's why he's forgiven us in, as far as our sin, remembers our sins no more, as far as the east is from the west. 
Hallelujah, we're forgiven, we're washed again in the blood of the Lamb, but there is still consequences to our actions. We don't want to be under consequences to our actions. My son wrote all over a mini blind that we had taken down to clean yesterday, and there was consequences to his actions, even though there was full 100% grace and forgiveness. Right? Hallelujah. <laughs> Daddy was gone, boy. Daddy was gone buying stuff, so... Honey, I'm glad we love God and there's grace. <laughs> Amen. Because, woo, fit to be tied yesterday, I'm telling you. So if we think we can live however we want, under grace, and there be no consequences, it's really kind of ludicrous because here's the real thing about grace. Grace will always do two things. Turn your heart and your face back to the Father and lead you in a lifestyle change that looks like the Father. That is what grace will always do. Anything that operates outside of that is not grace. I'm telling you. Grace always does two things because you always bring it back to a born-again experience. What does grace do when you're born again? We're saved by grace through faith. When you got born again, your heart and your face was turned to the Father and you began to live in a manner that resembled the Father because we all want to live and look like Jesus Christ. Somebody's made millions of dollars on WWJD. <laughs> Come on. I hope they tithed off it. Hallelujah. But see, this is the part I struggle with. We want to throw the grace card in every single direction, which grace is fully there, but also truth is fully there. That's why I, I, I'm still enamored by this, and I still can't grasp it, how Jesus operated in, in grace and truth, 100% of it, all at the same time. I'm not there yet. I'm trying to get there. Joel seems to flip, uh, fly in from legalism to extreme grace to this to that. And I'm like, God, i got to get a handle on this. Right? And so with that, I want to encourage you this morning that grace always does two things. And if it doesn't do these two things, I would question if it's really grace because grace will always turn your heart to the Father. Grace will always lead you in a lifestyle that resembles Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said, said um, where sin abounds, grace does abound that much more. But shall we go on sinning? By no means. We've died to it. How do we any longer live in it? And what really throws me for a loop is, I believe it's the end of Romans chapter 5, it says, by no means we still uphold the law. I mean, if you're struggling with law and grace, man, you read Romans, it, it may not help you. <laughs> Until you see the whole thing in a big picture. So it means that we, we, because these are principles of ordinary everyday life, man, we need to live godly. And if godly living is the opportunity and the principle of the tithe, well, why wouldn't we want to do it? it? It's my big question. And so, with this, as we talk about what, what it means here, it says, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, or there's a consequence because of your inaction. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not throw open the windows of heaven and pour down such a blessing on you that you do not have room enough for it or there is no more need. I want to tell you a moment about the power of grace. This is what grace does do in your life. This is the power of grace in your life. 
Not the ignorance of grace, the power of grace in your life. When the enemy is coming against you, do you remember years ago, and some of your kids may still do this, it was talk to the hand, right? Remember that? Talk to the hand. There was no grace for your child when they did that. You slapped the hand and the face, right? Some of y'all need to go to counseling. Just kidding. Talk to the hand. Grace is represented in the number five. When the enemy begins to come and attack your life, whether it be in any area, tithes and offerings, whether it be in any area of principles of ordinary living, whether it be with anger, whether it be with rage, whether it be with uh, 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 lustful thoughts, whether it be with addictions and isms, you know what you can say to the devil because the grace of God is so powerful? Talk to the hand. Because if grace is representative with the number five, and you can say, talk to the hand. Listen, the enemy cannot pass the grace of God that's on your life for holy living and a holy lifestyle towards him. But grace will always lead you to turn your face back to the Father, to live in a manner that represents the Father. And the last time I checked, every time God said stop, the enemy had to stop. So when you say, no, I invoke the grace of God that's on my life, I'm telling you to stop. The enemy has to stop. Come on now, that's good about grace. See, some of y'all have just been using grace to get, to get forgiveness for your sins. Well, I don't want you to just have forgiveness for your sins. I want you to not sin any longer. Come on now, that's good. Some of y'all are like, no, I kind of like sinning. Right? Right? Truth is, if you sin, you do it because you wanted to. You're a born-again believer. The enemy has no hold on your life unless you've allowed him to. And when you sin, it's because your desire for the flesh was greater than your desire for putting your hand up and say, talk to the hand. I want to encourage you that grace is the real deal. Grace is the real thing. And grace is the empowering of a believer to live in a lifestyle that's worthy of Jesus Christ. Grace is not the get out of sin free card because your sin was paid for at a costly price. Mm. And I don't want to take advantage of that. I don't want to take advantage of that. But also, when God puts principles in place, it is a prescription for your growth, your development, and your movement to look like Him in all areas of your life. Therefore, I can't walk out in the middle of 2560 and play in the middle of the road. And when an 18-wheeler comes, say, Grace! <laughs> and not expect to get run over when I know better. See, a lot of us know better in a lot of areas. And I'm not talking about money right now. I'm not talking about tithes and offerings right now. In every area of your life, God is in for a lifestyle change in you, not a money change in you. And so with that, if you know to do right and don't do it, the Bible says that is sin. Now, His grace is good enough to bring you back, but don't be an idiot and just do it because you can manipulate the grace of God. That's what Paul's saying. Shall we go on sinning? No, that's silly. We died to sin. Paul actually says if we've died to it, it's impossible to go on and live in it. So have we really died to it? Or do we want just his grace to cover it? As the worship team's coming this morning, as the ministers are going to, to the sides to get ready to minister, the title of this series is called Nuts and Bolts. But really the title of this series should be called Nuts, Bolts, and Nails. It should be called Nuts, Bolts, and Nails. And this morning when I titled this message of this, the, the series message, 
uh, the series of these messages, Nuts and Bolts, it's just the basic stuff. Guys, I could spend 25 weeks breaking down what I tried to cram into 25 minutes this morning. Okay? Because it's just the nuts and bolts. It's just the bare essentials of principally based living your life every day based on the principles in God's Word that started way back, I would venture to say, even in creation and go all the way through the book of Revelation. It's living our life according to a principally based life that gives us the opportunity. God says, here's your prescription, Pastor Jeff. I've got wrote out exactly what you need to do to live a life that exemplifies Jesus Christ. If you take this and you use it, it'll change your life. And as we begin to live out this life, I realized it's more than just nuts and bolts. It's nuts and bolts and nails. The nuts and bolts of something means the most basic, fundamental, essential aspects of something. But where do the nails come in? Remember, we said this, and today Jesus receives your tithes and offerings as a great high priest. We said that at last week's. I said it in this week's. It's the Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Jesus receives your tithes and offerings as the great high priest. Listen, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8, it says, Here, here, the writer of Hebrews, because we don't technically know who wrote Hebrews. We've got some good theologies on it. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8, in the New King James Version, said this, Here, on this earth, mortal men receive tithes, but there he, Jesus, receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. That should change your life. That changed my life years ago when I read it. It changed my life because I always struggled with, well, when I give a tithe to the church, what are they even doing with the money? Is it being used right? Is it being used wrong? Do I even trust them? Do I like it? Do I not like it? Listen, I, when I read this verse, it changed everything. Here on this earth, listen to what it says. Here mortal men receive them or take them. But when I give them there, Jesus Christ himself, of whom is a witness that he is still alive and well, he receives because of the motives and the passions of my heart. What I give on a principle based from before the law to way after the resurrection, when I give it because it's principles of an ordinary life that every believer should give, as I give it with the heart of where my treasure is in heaven, I say, Jesus, take them. And with them nail pierced hands yeah. Woo, come on with them nail pierced hands he says I receive the gift yeah. Yeah. I receive the gift when you give your tithes and offerings and bless generosity listen you give them to the kingdom of God at a place, Jacob said, you give it at a storehouse. At a place where you're seeing transformation, the things of God's spirit. Read, the, read Jacob's ladder. It talks about all that stuff. And that's why he called it the house of God. You give it to the kingdom. At a storehouse or a house of God. That's us, TWBC. But who receives it? If you're thinking we receive it, you've missed it. Because when I started giving knowing that he received it, 
It made me so free to give, not just tithes and offerings, but have blessed generosity because I know every time I buy a Be The Service ticket uh, and, and I give some of that blessed generosity and I hand that ticket to get that box of food, it wasn't a box of food that I'm bringing to a poor, poor family. I bought a ticket and gave it to Jesus. I got a food a box of food and I'm going to give it to Jesus. It's all about Jesus and what we do, we're doing it to him and for him. It'll revolutionize how you live and how you give. Because it's not just about money. If I can get anything through your heads today, it's not about money. If I can get anything into your heart today, it's not about money. It is about the blessed generosity that God has for you. After I've laid out all this, you truly have a prescription and if you're having an inner dialogue in your head, it's not a head issue. If you're still arguing about this in your head, it's not a head issue. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And my question is, if we are so freely given to by the kingdom of God and God himself with his son, and bless, uh, fear not, little flock, for it's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom, why do we have an issue giving and we have a, a greater mandate to hold on to? That's a heart issue. That's not a head issue. You may can cognitively argue your way out or cognitively try to justify it, but I'm telling you, if you struggle giving to the kingdom of God, it's a heart issue. It's not a head issue. And that's the simplest way I can put it. And it's not meant to be ugly. And I want to close with this story. And Pastor Mitch, I know I got to go talking to a gentleman a few years back and he said pastor I've been coming to your church for a couple years and I never get fed at the church and I'm like well why not I just don't get anything out of the messages I don't get anything out of it I come because my kids love it I come because my wife is happy there but I don't get anything and I began to think I said holy ghost help me here and I said, can I ask you a private question? And he said, yeah. I said, have you tithed or given part of your treasure at TWBC to the kingdom? He said, no, because I've never been fed. <laughs> Good call. But when you go to some restaurants, sometimes you have to, by faith, pay for the food before they bring it to the table rather than paying for the bill at the end of it after you've been fed I said maybe God is challenging you as food is distributed every single week at TWBC and you're not getting fed why don't you give a tithe by faith or even a test because God says you can test me in this and the next week he said fine I'll do it put a check in, the, put a check in when the buckets went by Put a check in when the buckets went by. And he came. And that's when we did offering before we did messages. And he came at the end of that service with tears streaming down his face. And he said, I heard the voice of God for the first time. In a long time. And I said, what changed? He said, nothing. I came in not looking forward to church. My kids were happy. My wife was ready to go. I didn't want to be there. And I was mad when I put 
And then he stopped. He said, Pastor, it worked. I was even grumpy when I gave it. <laughs> oh, the grace of God is so good. I was grumpy when I gave it. And when you started speaking, I heard from God for the first time in a long time. See, some of you may think, I'm not getting fed at that church. <laughs> I'll let you fill in the blank. The series is about, not about money. It's about a lifestyle change. But when you give tithes, offerings, and bless generosity, there's a grace that's going to come upon your life. <laughs> And you're not buying the grace. You're not paying for the grace. You're literally stepping into the grace of a prescription that he wrote out thousands of years ago. That says, if you just will. Stand with me this morning. We're singing one song. When we sing this one song, the altars are open at both sides.